So the title of my message today is The Blessing of the Upright. The Blessing of the Upright. Uh, and we're going to look at what God says in Deuteronomy chapter 33. But before I do that, just want to uh, remind all of you, we're at this stage in our sermon series where we're closing off the book of Deuteronomy. And oftentimes when you close off something, you close off a particular chapter in your own journey or your own life, it's, it's kind of like a, a resolution to the story. So the, the story ends and it's like it, it, after the climax and then the story ends and it goes down and it, and it settles, it, it fizzles away. But that is not what God wants us to do with Deuteronomy. Let me just put it out here. Deuteronomy is a message that Moses was giving to Israel as a nation, as a community, during his last days. And as he's doing all of this, he is reminding Israel, but he is also challenging Israel. He's also challenging Israel because he's saying, I'm not going to be here with you anymore. I will pass on and my authority will be given or transferred or trans transitioned to Joshua. But nation of Israel, I've been with you for this past 40 years and I want to remind you and challenge you of the things you are called to do moving forward. So church, what we've all heard through Deuteronomy, what we've all, in, 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 when, I, when I spoke about Deuteronomy 6, I mentioned the word Shema, Right, which means hearing. What you've all shimad. Sorry, that's that's bad Hebrew English connection, right? But when you've all heard what God has spoken to us in Deuteronomy, it's not supposed to fizzle away. It's not supposed to say, okay, I've ticked off Deuteronomy, I'm done with Deuteronomy, let's move on to the next book. It's supposed to say, if you shima, if you have heard, it's now the challenge to obey. That's what shima is. Shema is both hearing and obeying. Shema is saying, I know this is what the Lord has spoken to me. And a lot of the things that we've shared over this stage buzzes with you. It resonates with you. you. You feel this buzz in your heart, so to speak, where you're like, yes, I resonate with what Pastor Chu or Pastor Lee Chu or, or Pastor Wyan or Pastor Isaac or Pastor Fergus, all of these people who have been sharing about Deuteronomy. And you say, I'm, I'm resonating with this and, and this resonance is still buzzing in me. But how do we make what buzzes become solid foundation for us? Obedience. Obedience. The challenge of God to us is not so that you know, but you obey. He is like a man who builds his house on a rock. Whoever hears my words and does what it says, builds his house on rock-solid foundation. Shema. You hear and you obey. So as we close off Deuteronomy, I want to encourage you, if there are sections in this, in this series that you have not listened to or you were not here for whatever reason, follow it. But whatever you have gathered from or whatever God has spoken to you through Deuteronomy, you've heard, obey. You've heard, obey. So I'm going to start off with a quick testimony. Um, this is me learning to obey what God has has put in my heart in terms of my, my, my workplace uh, and in terms of the things that I do, in terms of being, bringing the love of Jesus to people. I'm going to start off with a quick testimony. One of my clients called me up and said, I'm sorry, I can't attend a meeting that, 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 that we've planned um, because I have to bring my son to the hospital. He's got a checkup because he had a broken arm. And, he showed me, and she showed me a picture of her, her son with a cast on his arm. And I said, what happened? Sports injury. All right? So he had a cast on his arm and... And naturally, what I would usually do, um, and, and I, I presume most of you would have probably come across this stage in your life, where you send this, you get this message and you send it back and you go, oh, I hope that your son will feel well soon. Or, because you're a Christian, right? I will pray for your son. And so I'm, I'm about to do this, and like, you know, this is very natural for me, I'm about to do this, but then I, I felt led, and I must say I felt led because it's not natural for me to do what I did next. I felt led to actually just kind of go beyond that, right, because we're talking about bringing the love of Jesus, correct? So I, 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 sent, I sent her a message and I said, I'm a Christian, um, and I want to pray for your son. Can I pray for your son? Obviously, um, uh, the communication was like, you know, English and Malay, English and Malay kind of thing, so... 
and she was more familiar with, with Malay. So I said, I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus can heal your son. All right, Jesus loves your son. He wants your son healed. Um, so can I pray for your son? But here's how I'm going to do this. I'm going to type my prayer out in Malay for, for you, my because you, you want to you know, reach out to a person in their mother tongue, right? So, so I said, I'm, I'm going to type it out in Malay. Um, you, you, uh, I hope it's easy to understand. You don't have to do anything. You just read it out and you trust Jesus will heal your son. So I typed that out. I thank God uh, that at least as a lawyer, I speak some BM. Lah. But my BM is very legalese. All right? It's got all these like, fancy, fancy legal terms and, and my Bahasa Pasa is worse than Pasa. So, so I tried anyway. Lah. So forgive me if my BM is not so awesome. I thank God that uh, Pastor JJ is not here checking on my editing. Um, I know that Pastor Chu preaches in BM and so he's ahead of me there. But that's what I sent. All right? That's what I sent. Um, if you see that little lady there, that's my client's name, so obviously it's confidential, I can't tell you. Uh, but that was what I did. I, I, I prayed and, and, and I sent that prayer to her. That was on a Tuesday. The Monday after, I get photographs of her son and the cast is out. All right? First of all, thank God for that. Huh? The cast is out. The, the son's arm is, 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 is much better. Um, it's, it's not totally well. Um, and and uh, he's still going for physio and, and getting this... Um, getting his, his, his uh, mobility back. But over and above that picture, she sends me this. Okay, first of all, eagles for Christians mean something, right? But that's, that's a wonderful picture. But then the, the, the point about that, and I have no clue who Kelly's treehouse is until I googled it after that. All right, but but the, the point of this is, of all the images that she could have sent me on a good morning, and this is the only image she sent me on a... I know some of you, you, you get group chats and you get all these messages, or some of you send them um, every morning. Salam sejahtera, papaduan, whatever. Okay, that's fine. I've only gotten one from this particular client. And, and of all the images I get, it's this one. And in my mind, I'm like, she recognized the prayer. She recognized the prayer. Now, was the healing immediate? Like if you, I mean, it was in a cast, right? You couldn't really tell. But when the cast was gone, the bones and all sorted out already. It's just the, that mobility back. So maybe, maybe not. But was the love of Jesus felt? I absolutely believe so. I absolutely believe so. So here's my encouragement to all of you. Do that. What you've heard, obey. What you've heard, obey. Some of you in your workplaces, you are already doing that. Some of you have shared with me your testimonies about how people's lives have been changed. People come to know Jesus because of the interactions that you have with them and, and how you've brought the love of Jesus to them. But for those of you who have not, for those of you who are like me, who are still kind of just learning how to do this because it's not natural, not, not so immediately, oh, this is what I'll do. Do that. I want to encourage you, whatever you've heard, obey. Because that's what Moses told Israel. This is all that we've gone through over the past 40 years. And I'm going to go, but you're going to move on. And when you move on, this, whatever you've learned, is going to be your challenge in the promised land. It's going to be your challenge when you come under the authority of Joshua. As a nation, this is your challenge now. You've heard, now obey. Now obey. So I'm going to close off Deuteronomy this week um, with Deuteronomy chapter 33. Pastor Lichu did a wonderful job with 34 uh, last Saturday, last Saturday, which is yesterday, um, last night, sorry, I was going to say that, uh, yesterday evening, and, and I want to encourage you to listen to that. It really, it really does wonders to, to, to challenge you to pursue God, to pursue God um, and, and to know God's heart. I'm going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 33. Again, the title of my message today is The Blessing of the Upright, and that's what we're going to look at today in this chapter. Deuteronomy chapter 33 is a long chapter, but what I'm going to do is break it down for you through, uh, through as we go along in this, in this um, journey. I'm going to start off with Deuteronomy 33, verse 1 to 5. This is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the people of Israel before his death. He said, and he starts off with this. He doesn't immediately go to the, the, the tribes, right? You get blessed, you get blessed, you get blessed, you get blessed. But he says this, the Lord came from Sinai and dawned from Seir upon us. He shone forth 
from Mount Paran. He came from the ten thousands of holy ones with flaming fire at his right hand. Pause there for a while. Just imagine the majesty and the awesomeness of God in the description. The Lord came from Sinai. When God presented himself in Sinai, it wasn't high. It wasn't even like the burning bush. It was, it was fire. It was thunder. It was powerful enough that everybody who saw that said, this, this God, huh? no joke. This God is awesome. This God is powerful. This God is majestic. But after he closes off with flaming fire at his right hand, he says, yes, he loved his people. All his holy ones were in his hand. So they followed in your steps, receiving direction from you. Who's he talking about? Israel. When Moses commanded us a law as a possession for the assembly of Jacob, thus the Lord became king in Jeshurun. Everybody say Jeshurun. The Lord became king in Jeshurun when the heads of the people were gathered, all the tribes of Israel together. I don't know about you, but as I was reading this, Deuteronomy 33, 1 to 5, I suddenly stopped and went, Jeshu, what? Who's this? Who in the world is Jeshurun? Right, I don't know that about you. I don't know if that's the case. You know, maybe this is the first time today when I ask you all to say Jeshurun. It's the first time you say Jeshurun. Uh, maybe it is, maybe it's not. But when I saw this, I was like, who in the world is this guy? So let's talk about names for a bit. I know a thing or two about names, about, you know, naming people. I, I think, in fact, I've done it four times. I've named my four kids uh, and I've had the opportunity. And some of you are going like, Wayan, I thought you only had three girls. Uh, yes, I only have three girls and one boy. Uh, so, <laughs> praise God for that. Uh, my little boy, Isaiah, and we will look at Isaiah later on. Not my kid, but Isaiah, the book. Um, uh, my little boy, Isaiah, is almost a month old. Um, he's a wonderful uh, gift of God to us. His name is God's gift of salvation. Um, that's his full Chinese name plus the name Isaiah. Um, but when we named our kids, Melody and myself, when we named our kids, we always asked ourselves, in that season in our lives, this was the question we asked ourselves, in that season of our lives, what was God's message to us as a family? What was God's message to us in our marriage, in our, in our family? Where were we at in our journey? And for, for inspiration, because like, we, we want to name our kids, right? So we said, look, this is how we would want to name our kids. We want to name them based on how God has, what God has placed in our hearts and then uh, translate that into something uh, that we would call our kids by, all right? Um, and so that was what we, we did. Um, the same for Israel. This is where I feel the name Jeshurun comes in. You see, at this stage when Moses is calling on Israel and saying, this is all that God has done for you and my challenge for you towards moving forward into the promised land, there is a name that I believe God is giving you. There is a, a declaration, a, a, a calling over your life and, I will, and it will be reflected in the name Jeshurun. You see, prior to Jeshurun, and Jeshurun doesn't last very long. There's only four times it's mentioned in Scripture and we'll go through them. But prior to the name Jeshurun ever showing up, they were always called Israel or Jacob. And that was basically the name of their forefather. Jacob was the name that was given by Jacob's father. But when he got his name Israel, which is the one that we're more familiar with, it was because Jacob was contending with God in Genesis chapter 32. He was wrestling with God at that point, and he would not let go of God, even though his hip was injured. And so the only way that he would let go of God in that wrestle was when, was when God actually asked him, when are you going to let go of me? And he says, not until you bless me first. And that blessing was a change in his name. You would be called Israel, so your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven or striven with God and with men and have prevailed. You have wrestled with God and you have prevailed. That's what Israel means. That's the name Israel. But the name Jeshurun, a bit different, actually very different. The name Jeshurun actually means upright or the upright one, someone who is upright, someone who, who, who lives life righteously. 
That was the description of, or that's the meaning of the name, Jeshurun, upright. The first time it's actually mentioned is actually in Deuteronomy chapter 32, which is the chapter before. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 15. Prior to verse 15, God was actually blessing, uh, sorry, Moses in, in that song, right? And I agree with Pastor Isaac. I, I don't think Moses sang that song. I think he spoke or he recited the song. It's poetry, right? So, so it's very natural to also speak it out, all right? Maybe if you're not musically inclined, you can always declare it, all right? Um, so he, he recited that poetry and he was saying, God is blessing you, God is blessing you, God is blessing you, God is blessing Israel. And then in verse 15, he changes direction. But he starts using the name, he started the first time the name Jeshurun was used, was here. It says, but Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. You grew fat, stout, and sleek. You're blessed. But then you forsook God who made you. You scoffed at the rock of your salvation. Sometimes you look at this passion and you go, the first time Israel is mentioned as upright is when they were not upright. A bit sarcastic, right? Like, upright, right? But here's my take on this name. First of all, it's a God-given name. It's a God-given name reflecting the heart of God for Israel. And if it is a God-given name, God doesn't give names in vain. Sometimes God has a bit of wit, right, for literary effect. But when He gives names that will last you a long time, He gives names that will give you an identity, He doesn't give names in vain. He gives names that reflect His heart for you. And second is the name actually has a good meaning. It has a powerful meaning. Upright, righteous. The very kind of name you would give or the very kind of description you would give for someone who is in close relationship with God. Who is a man who is upright? Someone who is close to God. Someone who knows God, who has relationship with God. You know, for the, the, the blessing that Jesus declared in the Sermon of the Mount, the Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. And you see that satisfaction uh, as we go along in, this, in, in, in today's message. But what God, is, what God is really giving to Israel at that time is a powerful name, a name that has meaning, a name that tells Israel, this is who you will become. This is who I see you as. In fact, some of the things that we, we do, one of the things that we do in LifeGen, by the way, LifeGen, Church Plan of SIBKL, we send you our greetings. Um, I, I, was, um, I always say good morning, church, only when I come here. Because LifeGen service is at 4 p.m. And so we always say, good evening, church. Um, but LifeGen, we send you our greetings. We send you our love. One of the things that we do in LifeGen, especially this year, is our theme is to speak life. And speaking life is not about speaking facts. So you may be rude or unhelpful or whatever it is that, you know, part of your life you see your weaknesses are. But when we speak life, we're saying God has declared, God is speaking to you and saying, no longer will you be this, but you will be great. You will be powerful. You will speak into, in, you, you, will, you will declare the goodness of God. You will grow in, in authority in God. And that's what speaking life is about. Is that lies? No. Because it comes from the heart of God. A heart of God that sees the, that has a vision for each one of you that goes beyond what you are at now. And it also goes beyond what He sees you doing in the years to come. So Jeshurun, was given to Israel despite the fact that we all know and God knew that Israel would forsake God. But in light of God's vision for His people, they will be Jeshurun. They will be upright. So to me, Jeshurun is, is a term of endearment. It's Yes, your common name is Israel. But hey, you are my Jeshurun. You are my upright one. I will love you and care for you and see to it that you will be upright. Even if I have to discipline you, you will be upright because I love you and you are my Jeshurun. You will be upright. You will seek righteousness. You will be satisfied. You will come into my presence and I will receive you. 
because you are my Jeshurun. Now, at the end of this chapter, Moses uses the name Jeshurun for the third time. First time is Deuteronomy 32. Second time, Deuteronomy 33, the one we looked at just now. At the end of Deuteronomy 33, he uses the name Jeshurun again, referring to Israel. There is none like God, O Jeshurun, who rides through the heavens to your help, through the skies in His majesty. Again, majesty of God, right? The eternal God is your dwelling place. Say, dwelling place. And underneath are the everlasting arms. And He thrust out the enemy before you and said, destroy. So Israel lived in safety. Jacob lived alone in a land of grain and wine whose heavens dropped down dew. Not bad, right? Wonderful, wonderful blessing. Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord. The shield of your help, the sword of your triumph, your enemies shall come fawning to you. You shall tread on their backs. Moses telling Jeshurun, this is who God is to you and what God will do for you. The last time Jeshurun is mentioned is in Isaiah chapter 44. Verse 1 to 5. I'm going to read out that passage, but as you do, think about this. Think about this in light of our church. But now hear, O Jacob, my servant, Israel whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb and will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. Again, that blessing comes out, right? For I pour water on the thirsty land, streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit upon your offspring. Sound familiar? I will pour out my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. This one will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call on the name of Jacob. Another will write on his hand, the Lord's, and name himself by the name of Israel. The context in which God originally gave the name Jeshurun was to Israel as a nation. But through them, in Isaiah 44, the outpouring of the Spirit of God, and that marks the birth of the spiritual people of God, the church, you and I, and the community that God has called us to be a part of. Jeshurun is the name for God's people. You and I are Jeshurun. You and I are part of God's people, part of the body of Christ, part of the bride of Christ, who is loved by God, and God calls you His upright ones. Jeshurun. Now, I don't know where you're at. You're probably thinking, sure not. I know my life not so upright one. My life very uptight one. <laughs> but like I said, when God calls you His upright ones, He's not saying, I, I, I know you are like that, therefore I won't stop, I won't call you upright. Or He's not closing His eyes and going, I am upright only lah. He knows where you're at. He knows where you're at in terms of your relationship with Him. He knows where you're at in terms of your, your growth in Him and and, and whatever it is that the sin has done to you. But he's still saying, in light of his vision and his destiny for you, that you are his upright ones. Take it. Grab hold of it. Claim it. And walk in it. Because you are his upright ones. You can go on that declaration of God over your life and say, I know my life is like this, but I know God sees me differently. And God sees me as upright. And I will walk in uprightness. I will walk in righteousness and in relationship with God. But the one thing about Deuteronomy that I want to point out is this. When God, through Moses, was speaking to the nation of Israel, He was speaking to Israel as a nation. Not just individual members of this nation, but as a nation together as they were all called together and Moses gives his last address to the nation of Israel. And so the question then is this, what is God saying to us 
as a church. I'm going to take on the rest of this message in terms of its relevance to us as a church. Of course, it also applies to you individually. But I also want to ask this question, what is God saying to us as a church when He calls us Jeshurun? The first one is this, God loves His church. He loves it. If you have any doubt in your heart, in your mind, right now, whether God loves S-I-B-K-L, let me tell you, because He's called you Jeshurun, He loves you. No doubt. And if you look at Scripture, whatever image you describe the church, whether it's the body of Christ, whether it's the bride of Christ, it is all a description of how much God loves His church. He loves it as a husband loves his bride. He loves it as a man who loves his own body and makes sure that it's well and healthy and strong. God loves his church. He loves his church that he is invested in his church. He's invested in his church. He gave his life for his church. In fact, maybe it's a good time for us to remind ourselves to the great extent in which God loves his church. Romans chapter 8. We know, and we say this very often, that Jesus gave his life for the church. Jesus gave his life, not just for you and I, so that we would be in relationship with God, but he came because he came with, to build the kingdom of God, to start this, 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 this move of the kingdom of God, where God is established as king over his people. And Jesus came and opened up the way for us to be a part of this kingdom. And so God loves His kingdom. God loves His church. God loves His people. Romans chapter 8. I like the way in which Paul writes things. Um, and in this case, he's got one proposition. God is for us. And then he says, okay, this question, this is how it's answered. This question, this is how it's answered. So first question, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He also not with Him graciously give us all things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who? If God is for us, who shall bring any charge against God's elect, against God's chosen? Remember, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen against God's elect. It is God who justifies. The charge fails. If God is for us, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus, the one who died. More than that, who was raised. In fact, I like that about what Pastor Aaron was sharing just now about communion. Yes, we remember the death of Christ and the blood and the, and the body that was broken for us. But we always remember that He was raised to life. Amen? Raised to life. And that's why we can have life forevermore. Christ Jesus is the one who died. Sorry, let's go back to the slide. Christ Jesus, who was the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding from us, for us. If like that, how to condemn? The last question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And after going through the different uh, previous passages in Scripture, he says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present or things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. God loves His church. He is invested in it. He gave His life for it. And if He gave His life for it, how will He not graciously give us all things? For the Jeshurun whom He has chosen, whom He will justify, who is interceding for us, how not to fail? How far and how great can we see the nation, the people of God grow, the kingdom of God grow, when God is at the helm, God is invested in it, and God will see to it by His power and His authority that it will meet the vision that He has for it. How to fail? God loves His church. 
But if God loves His church, then church, we ought to do the same. We ought to love this church. We ought to love what God loves. If God loves His church, we do the same. I want to say this specifically for those of us here who are from SIBKL. The past few weeks, you've heard messages of what, in blessed weekend, what, what, what God is doing through this church. The weekend before that, Pastor Chu talked about transition and what God is doing in this church. And if God loves this church and God has a vision for this church, then as a church, we stand together in unity and in unison. We stand together and we say, God, what you are doing, we will come and flow with you together united and in unison with one another because you love this church and I will not stand in the way of what you want to do in SIBKL. We stand in unity and in unison. Amen. Let's praise God. Let's give God. Let's give God the glory. Amen. We stand together with God's church and we say we want to flow with the vision that you've given this church and what your direction is for this church. I'm not going to stir up division. I'm not going to stir up strife. That's the last thing we want to do because that's the first thing the enemy wants to do. But I will say I will stand with and I will defend the church that God gave his life for. If God loves his church, we ought to do the same. The second one is this. God is honoured in his church. God is honoured in his church. And this is from Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 5. Thus the Lord became king in Jeshurun. When the, when the heads of the people were gathered, all the tribes of Israel together. Here's the image. When the heads of the people are gathered, all the tribes of Israel together. This is a gathering of the nation together. And in the gathering of the nation, verse 5 says, the Lord became king in Jeshurun. What are we saying here? God will always be acknowledged as king. And by acknowledging him as king, we're saying, if you are king, God, we will follow you. We will obey you. We will honor you. We will give you, your, we will give you what is due to you as king. It won't be some other God. It won't be some person. It won't be the senior pastors or this guest preacher. No, not even my own life will take the place of God as king in this church. Amen. Because the problem with Jeshurun in Deuteronomy 32 verse 15 was they forsook God and they scoffed at the rock of their salvation. And then the next verse says, they stirred God, stirred him, God, to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations. They sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods they had never known, to new gods. Like, oh wow, this is cool. Let's try this one. They were unmindful of the rock that bore them and forgot the God who formed them, who gave them birth. It's very easy to see in the journey of Israel, especially after Joshua and, and into Judges, how they, they forsook God and went after the gods of the Canaanites. It's very easy to see that and go, wow, terrible, they forsook God. But the reality was that Israel wasn't just forsaking God by going, against, going towards the gods of the Canaanites or the gods of the other nations. They were also forsaking God in their own lifestyle. Who makes decisions now? God or me? I am so blessed. I've got a land filled of milk and honey, flowing with milk and honey, full of fruits, full of animals, full of all the abundant blessings of God. Now I want to live my life the way I want to. Forsaken. And the biggest example I see is when the whole nation of Israel comes to Prophet Samuel and says, We want a human king to rule over us, just like them, just like these other nations. They got kings, we don't have one. I want a human king like them to rule over us and to become the ruler of our lives. All of this is Jeshurun forsaking the rule of God over their lives. I want to declare in SIBKL and in LifeGen and in any of our church plants 
as a church, God will always be king. Amen. God will always be king in our church. There is no way anyone else shall ever take the place of God as king over this church. He will always be honoured. He will always be lifted high. It will always be Him we worship, Him we follow, Him we obey above all else. That's the nature of the heart of God and the nature of His Jeshurun. King over Jeshurun. Honoured in Jeshurun. And Jeshurun is the people whom God loves. God loves His church. God is honoured in His church. I told you my message today is the blessing of the upright, the blessing of Jeshurun. What kind of blessings did God give to Israel, His Jeshurun, through Moses? Even as I close, I'm just going to go through briefly the different kinds of blessings that God gave to Israel through Moses in Deuteronomy 33. And I've summarized them to a few points. The first one is this. God is your defender. God is your defender. To Judah, he says, Hear, O Lord, the voice of Judah and bring him into his people. With your hands, contend for him and be a help against his adversaries. To Benjamin, he says, The, how, the, the beloved of the Lord dwells in safety. He is your defender. You saw also... Um, uh, I think it was Isaiah that says, the enemies will come fawning to you and you will tread on their backs. God is your defender. He will fight for you. He will defend you. Second one is this, God will bless abundantly. God will bless abundantly. In the blessing to Joseph and the half-tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh, he says, with the choices, you get the choicest fruits of the sun. You get the rich yield of the months. As, as, as you're reading this, Let's be a bit dramatic about this, all right? Imagine this like it's an advertisement for your next honeymoon. Where you will go, you will have the choicest fruits of the sun. You have the rich yield of the months, the finest produce of the ancient mountains, the abundance of the everlasting hills, the best gifts of the earth and its fullness and the favour of that dude who dwells in the bush. You know, that, that line kind of caught me off guard. Like, what's this? Like, is this some agriculturist, some farmer, some bushman? So you study it a bit and you realize, actually what Moses is really saying is the favor of the one who Moses saw in the burning bush. God. So, choicest fruits, rich yield, finest produce, abundance, best gifts, and the favor of God over your life. The favor of, the, of that him who dwells in that burning bush. Zebulun, Issachar, this one, nice. They draw from the abundance of the seas. And you will realize later on when the lands are divided up to the different tribes, they got the coast. And, and, and the abundance of the seas isn't just seafood. I know it's great. It's wonderful, it's nice, especially during those times, not polluted yet, right? So the seafood must have, must have been, you know, not bad, lah, right? the fish and all that. But... But the abundance of the seas, I believe, also refers to the sea trade. All the trading with the different nations and, and just the blessing that they will get, that God will give them from all of their efforts on the high seas. The abundance of the seas and the hidden treasures of the sand. God will bless abundantly. God is your defender. God will bless abundantly. The third one is God will... And this, was, this, was, this one speaks very close to my heart. God will execute justice. In Gad, or to Gad, the, the blessing was this. Gad came with the heads of the people. With Israel, he executed the justice of the Lord and his judgments for Israel. I say this not because I'm a lawyer. I say this because one of the things that God has really placed in my heart is to, to, to see that the justice of the Lord is meted out. To see that the justice of God is, 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 is fought for, is pursued. And when we say justice here, it's not just justice for, for you and I as individuals, as Christians. You know, we say, God, yes, please give me justice against this unjust person or, or, or all that. But it's also 
the justice of God for people who desire or who need justice the most. And the people who need justice the most usually are not you or your neighbours or your colleagues or your friends. These are the poor, the widow, the alien, the slave, the orphan. These are the people whom God, when Jesus was on earth, would flip tables for. These are the people who will be part of parables that he uses just to display his heart for them and say, these people deserve justice. And the church will be a beacon of that justice. When God executes justice, and I don't just mean go to court, I mean bless ministry. When you see these people lifted up, when you see that there is no poor among you, that's justice. That's God saying everyone is loved and experiences the love of God over their lives. God will execute justice in our church and through our church. The last one, this one I feel is, is icing on the cake. If it doesn't icing, it's the cake, all right, the whole cake. God will be your dwelling place. Your dwelling place. This is what he says in Deuteronomy 33, verse 27. And this is to the entire nation of Israel. He started off in Deuteronomy 33 with an introduction to Israel. Then he goes on to tribe after tribe. After he's finished off the tribes, he ends off with this in 33, verse 27 to Israel. The eternal God is your dwelling place. And underneath are the everlasting arms. When I read this, I'm immediately reminded of Psalm 91. Some of you, like me, when you were kids or, you know, whatever stage in your life, you memorize Psalm 91. And so dwelling place for me always goes back to that passage in Psalm 91 where it says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, who abides in the shadow of the Almighty, I will say of the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And when God is your dwelling place, many things happen. Many of the blessings that God gives come into play and become realized in your life. When you abide in God, when God is your dwelling place, there is peace. There is no fear, no anxiety, no worry, no depression. There is joy. It's like being at home where there is comfort, there is love, there is protection, space for you to grow and grow well. There's relationship and connection with God. And in Psalm 91 verse 16, there is satisfaction. With long life will I satisfy Him. How many of you know long life doesn't necessarily mean satisfaction? But with long life will I satisfy Him. Pure, total enjoyment and satisfaction in God. And show Him my salvation. And the last one, when God is your dwelling place, there is power and authority to do what God has called you to do. And that passage where it says there, uh, when Jesus says, abide in me, and if you, without me, you can do nothing. And Pastor Lichu talked about this yesterday, and, and I think this is very apt. It says, without me, you can do nothing. It doesn't mean that you... Without, without God, you can't you know, stand up here or you can't go there, you can't eat food or whatever. No, it's without Him, you cannot do anything that God has called you to do. You cannot walk into the destiny that God has for you if you do not abide in Him. If you do not abide in Him. God is your defender. God will bless you abundantly. God will execute justice. God will be your dwelling place. Isn't that what we long for as a church? Isn't that what we say, God... If I'm your Jeshurun, I can claim these things. If I draw close to you, you will be my dwelling place. That is what I long for. That is what I long for for this church. So let's continue to uphold our love for God and for His people. To be the Jeshurun that God has called us and destined us to become. I think it's very important as well and very, very apt that this weekend starts our 40-day fast and prayer. Where we come before God, not just individually, but as a church to say, God, we want to seek you. We want to have a heart that knows you, 
A heart that knows what you're about, a heart that knows what you love and what you desire, a heart that says, God, I want what your concerns are to be my concerns. I want to be passionate with what you're passionate about. I, just, I don't want to just see the miracles and the things, and as great that is, as, as that is, I don't want to see just your, your deeds. I want to see your ways. I want to see your character. I want to see who you are and know you for you. Today is the first day of our 40-day fast and pray. We've talked about it before, we've announced it before, but if you have not started it, maybe today is the time for you to say, I want to commit to a time of fasting and praying. But I also want to encourage you, this Tuesday, day three of our fast and pray, we're going to come together and have a prayer and worship encounter. You know what's so important about that? When people come together to pray, when people come together to worship God, and you're not here to say, I want to come and listen to a sermon. I want to come here and just be my friends. No. When everybody comes together, sort of like saying the heads of the people come together and the tribe of Israel come together where God is king in Jeshurun. When we come together and we pray and we worship and we encounter God together, we're saying, God, we're coming together and saying, you are king. I'm going to honour you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to see that your vision and your purpose for this nation, for this church, will be realised. When we come together as a church, as a community, as a nation of His people, saying, God, this is what we're going to do together. It will be powerful. God hears God will be present and God will speak. So I want to encourage you this Tuesday, block out that date in your calendar, block out that time in your calendar, come as a church into this building, into this hall and say, God, we want to pray and we want to worship you and we want to encounter you. And then for all of us, I want to encourage you, this 40 days of fast and prayer, to come before God and say, God, I want you to be my dwelling place. Two things I feel God wants to say to all of us specifically. First one is, God, I want to honour you as king. Whatever it is that you've gone through in your life, whatever decisions you've made, fine. But from this day on, I want to honour you as king. I want to make decisions based on what you were telling me. I want to make decisions based on the vision that you have given me. Even if it may mean that it doesn't look so feasible in my own eyes. Even if it goes beyond my understanding, I will want to follow you because you are my king. I will trust you and honour you. The second one is this, God. I want you to be my dwelling place. Above all else, I just moved into a new home, a new house, and a lot of things have happened over the past month. But I want God to be my dwelling place where my heart resides. I know they say home is where the heart is. But God, I want you to be my home. I want you to be my home. I want you to be my dwelling place where I abide in you. And I relate with you. I have relationship with you. I am connected with you and I will pursue you and your heart. What your heart longs for, what you desire, make it mine. Make it mine. Church, can we all rise? I made this call in the second service and I will do the same today, but this is for us a personal call. God is speaking to this church to His people. And I want to echo that message and say, if in your heart you want to declare God as King of your life and that God is your dwelling place, can I encourage you to just raise your hands as an act of surrender and saying, God, you are my King. You are King over my church. You are King over my family. You are King over my life and you will be our dwelling place. I also want to say this, husbands, if your wives are here, or wives, your husbands are here, 
Can you just hold your hands, hold, hold each other's hands, no, hold each other's hands and say, over my home, you're going to be my king. Over our families, you're going to be my king. And you will be our dwelling place. Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare a nation of your people as, as a nation of your people. We declare you as king over us. We honour you and we want to say, God, you be our dwelling place. We've had many dwelling places. We've placed our trust in different things. Today, God, you will be our dwelling place. And when you are our dwelling place, we walk in power, we walk in authority, we see the vision of God over our lives, over this church, realised for the glory of your name, for the glory of the King over this church. God, as we stand at the end of this book of Deuteronomy, we're not just standing here and saying we've ended, we're going to sit down, we're going to chill out, we're going to relax. No, we're standing at the edge of a new era. And as we move into this new era, as we move into this new journey, as we transition into this new journey for our lives individually and our life as a church, God, may you continue to be king and our dwelling place. That we will not forget you, God. We will not forsake you or scoff at the rock of our salvation, but we will be your Jeshurun. We will be the ones who will hunger and thirst for righteousness. We will be the ones who will, 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 will honour you and worship you and pursue you above all else. And we thank you, God, that we can be the Lord's. We will be called the people of God, the people whom God loves. And so I bless each and every one of my brothers and sisters here today. God, we praise you and we thank you for all that you've placed in our hands. And for our work, oh God, as we move on from this session here, God, we will continue to declare to the world that we are the Lord's, that God is our dwelling place, that God is our King. And as we do, the kingdom of God will grow and will expand and will become so manifest in the lives of the world around us. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give God glory.